Hi, I'm Chris Walker, Head of Health and Safety at Naplands Health and Safety, and I'm really pleased that you've decided to take the time to listen to the QCS Health and Safety podcast this month. If you're not already familiar with the format of these briefings, I'll let you know exactly what you're in for. Every month, we take a look at a new health and safety topic which is relevant to your sector and which is typically inspired by forthcoming changes to health and safety law or best practice guidance, or is possibly based on a high profile health and safety incident or prosecution, or it might just be something we've seen a lot of confusion around or been asked a lot of questions about. In recent months, we've had a look at the control of substances hazardous to health, changes to the personal protective equipment regulations, and the procurement and management of contractors. If you're not already, we haven't already done so, I'd strongly recommend working your way back through the podcast library. There's a lot of useful, simple explanations of some of your key health and safety responsibilities and legal requirements, as well as some practical guidance on how to ensure compliance and keep yourselves, your people and your businesses safe. The subject that I've chosen for our discussion this month centres on the lessons learned from a recent health and safety executive prosecution of a care provider in Scotland. While we're not going to go too deeply into the details of the case itself on this recording, um, we have covered this in a little bit more detail in a recently published QCS health and safety update. We are going to explore a couple of the critical points and health and safety principles that I think care sector businesses, and to be realistic, all businesses need to be thinking about in light of this recent incident. Now, none of the key health and safety failings that we'll discuss that were associated with the incident are actually linked to anything new to the world of health and safety. In fact, we've covered all of these points around risk assessment, acting on the findings of a risk assessment, learning lessons when incidents happen and things go wrong, reporting and acting on near misses, and ensuring that staff are trained and competent across a number of our previous podcasts. However, what we have here with this incident are some real practical examples of how and why things can go wrong if we don't have the health and safety basics in order. And also, we have a really powerful example of the consequences of getting it wrong from both a human and financial perspective. So just briefly then, what has actually happened? A care provider in Scotland has been fined the not insignificant sum of £450,000, having been found guilty of health and safety breaches under the Section 3 of the Health and Safety at Work Act, following the drowning of a vulnerable care, a vulnerable adult in its care. As a quick reminder, an employer's duties in health and safety law go beyond protecting themselves and their own employees. Section 3 of the Health and Safety at Work Act requires that employers, in this case care providers, conduct their activities in such a way that ensures, as far as it's reasonable to do so, that other persons, non-employees, who may be affected by their activities and their services are not exposed to risks to their health and safety. £450,000 was the size of that uh, fine for the care provider, and yes, I do think that is a lot. As you may well already be aware, fines for breaches of health and safety legislation are effectively unlimited. How far you fall below the standards required of you as an employer, how much risk of harm you create, and how big your business is financially will all be considered in any decision regarding the size of a penalty should you be found guilty of a health and safety offence. Just as a quick example, 
an organisation with a turnover of less than £2 million, who were found to be guilty of a health and safety offence, should they have been found to have fallen substantially below the legal requirements by, for example, failing to follow industry-recognised standards, and in doing so, they created a risk of harm that was substantial, could be looking at fines starting around £160,000 and rising up to a quarter of a million. If they'd been found to have completely disregarded the legal requirements or deliberately acted in a way that had created that risk of harm, then we could be talking up to 450000 It's worthy of note also that when committing a health and safety offence, you'll be assessed against the risk of harm you created, not the actual harm caused. Substantial fines can be handed out even in scenarios where the worst possible human consequences of any health and safety breach are actually avoided. So in this case, what failings led the organisation to be found in breach of the law and therefore susceptible to such a fine? Critically, substantial harm was risked and indeed realised in this scenario, resulting in the loss of a life. Measures identified by the care provider to mitigate risks to the individual were either ineffective, a baby monitor provided to alert support staff that she was out of her bed was inadequate as it wouldn't have detected the sound of her movement, or the control measures weren't implemented at all. The individual was able to run a bath when the water to her flat should have been isolated. It wasn't isolated as neither of the staff on duty were actually aware of this requirement. These immediate causes of the incident appear to be symptomatic of broader underlying failures to implement suitable and sufficient health and safety arrangements to protect service users. Staff shortages contributed to the reason that two staff, unfamiliar with the critical risks of those that they were supporting, were present on the night of the incident. The HSE investigation highlights no formal induction arrangements for staff. They had to find time to read through care plans after their shifts had commenced. There were no clear shift plans to alert support workers to the critical needs of those they were supporting and no instructions on how any necessary checks should be undertaken. A failure to act on previously reported incidents and highlighted risks was also identified, with staff having reported finding this particular individual out of bed on a number of previous occasions. These concerns, however, did not prompt review of the control measures necessary to protect the individual and no further controls were introduced. The HSE commented that more appropriate control measures such as pressure sensitive mats or door sensors had not been considered. Now for me, firstly, this tragic incident brings to mind so many of the experiences I've had with risk assessment over the years. All too often, risk assessments are beautifully presented documents, organised neatly into files and reviewed regularly. Well, at least the dates are changed. However, a lot of the effort around risk assessment seems to go into the creation of the document and organisations regularly fall down on the critical next step, actually doing something with it, communicating its findings to those affected by it, ensuring they understand it and can manage the task or activity in line with its findings. Further to the communication is the, necess the necessity to monitor and review the use and effectiveness of the control measures. It's vital to ensure that in practice, the control measures are being fully utilised and are properly effective in reducing the risk that they have been brought in to assist with. Secondly, for me, it's vital that effective measures are in place to review health and safety incidents and near misses, as well as to respond to staff questions, queries, concerns and complaints. Lessons can be learned 
and tasks, activities and people can be made safer if these issues are acted on before harm is actually caused to anyone. Don't ignore the opportunities to explore what went wrong or what could be done better when an incident occurs, even if it isn't one in which someone gets hurt. Think about your own arrangements for management of similar scenarios in your own services and businesses. Is it possible that similar failings in the management of your health and safety risks could be present? And if so, what action can you take now to prevent harm being realised? How much time do you already invest in the monitoring of your risk assessment controls and making sure that risks are continually and effectively managed? Are staff properly trained, inducted and critically, do they know and understand the health and safety arrangements in place to protect them and those that they care for? Take some time to look at your own policies for the assessment of risk, investigation of incidents and training of staff and double check that you're doing all that you should be to stay in control. Thank you for your time and I hope you'll join us again in the future for our next health and safety podcast.